This is K.M. Wyland, and you are listening to the 498th episode of the Helping Writers Become Authors podcast. A couple weeks ago, in the episode about all the professional resources I use in my work as a writer, I mentioned Podtone, the company with which I've been consulting for the last six months or so to improve sound quality on the podcast. Several of you emailed them about their services, so I'm happy to announce that starting this week, Podtone is also partnering with me to sponsor the podcast via their services. Podtone is a post-production service offering podcasters affordable mixing and editing. In addition to mixing the sound every week for the podcast, they've worked with me to make the podcast sound better in many ways, including answering my tech questions about my hardware and software and advising on the best sound equipment for my situation. In fact, I hope you'll notice even more improvement in the sound soon as I upgrade to a new mic as recommended by the Podtone guys. If you have a podcast of your own and this service sounds like it would be as helpful to you as it has been to me, you can check it out at podtone.com. And now I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, five questions about how to balance multiple POVs in your story. The opportunities and pitfalls offered by multiple POVs are both the joy and the bane of the writer's life. On the one hand, using multiple points of view to tell a story seems like it makes the job so much easier. No limits, fantastic. But on the other hand, once you start trying to juggle multiple POVs, it can seem like all these moving pieces only make things that much more difficult. One of the most common questions I receive on the subject is simply, how many POVs should a story have? To which the answer is that there really aren't any rules. And the truth falls somewhere in between the honest but abstract answers of whatever's best for your story and whatever you can pull off. However, there are also some more specific and therefore much more helpful answers. In a comment on an old post, AZ Ali asked me, I would really like to know how to balance multiple POVs. I understand that there should be one main character but how do you balance character arcs? And in the climax, who should perform the essential act to resolve the conflict? The main character, even if it's not his POV, all of them together? I hope these questions aren't too confusing because I tried asking other people and they said it is completely specific story-based. Now, since I know these questions are pondered by many a writer, let's look at some answers, including one all-important principle that should guide every POV decision. So AZ asked a lot of good questions in that comment, but buried in the middle is the right question. In the climax, who should perform the essential act to resolve the conflict? Ding ding, da winner. Answer this question and you will gain 90% of the information you need to correctly decide all your POV questions for any given book. The answer to AZ's question is that the protagonist must perform the essential act to resolve the conflict. Or put even more straightforwardly, the character who resolves the conflict in the climax must be the protagonist. Structurally, that character is the protagonist. If the rest of the story's structure up to that point does not bear that out, then the story will not work. At best, it will feel disjointed and anticlimactic. 
So you can use this guideline in two ways. Number one, if you know which character you want to be your protagonist, you can double check the solidity of your story structure by ensuring this character is the one whose actions are central to the climax. And two, if you aren't sure which of your mini characters is the protagonist, look to the climax. Whoever decides the conflict is the protagonist. Once you know for sure who your protagonist is and how this person will play the deciding role in the climax, you can build on this info to strengthen your entire story's structural integrity by making certain the protagonist is also the character whose presence and actions are central to each of the major plot points. The inciting event, the first plot point, the first pinch point, the midpoint or second plot point, the second pinch point, the third plot point, and the climax. This is what will give shape and order to even sprawling stories with dozens of POVs. Knowing the other characters' roles in the climax will also help you determine how their POVs should be structured, or if they should even be given a POV at all. The climax is where every piece in your story will prove itself either part of a cohesive whole or a random, ill-conceived loose end. And this is never more true than of something as influential to your story's shape and tone as POV. Now, knowing how your story's conflict ends will give you a huge clue into the right choice for just about any POV question you can conceive. But while we're at it, let's take a look at the rest of AZ's questions about choosing and balancing multiple POVs within a story. Question number one, how many POVs should your story have? As already noted, a common notion among writers is the more POVs, the better. But this is not a given. Not only can this approach quickly spiral out of control and end up being way more stress than fun, it can also mess with the story's structural integrity if not handled consciously and skillfully. In fact, my rule of thumb is always the fewer POVs the better. I've talked before in the episode 10 Advantages of Writing a Single POV Story about how focusing your story down to the bare minimum of POVs can offer readers a story experience with much more cohesion and resonance. In short, my first bit of advice is to staunchly resist all those tempting urges to throw in exciting new POVs just because. And this is especially true for most one-off POVs, which only appear once or twice and or randomly throughout the narrative. POVs well shape your narrative, whether you intend them to or not. They should be chosen and distributed throughout the story with care. Now, because there is no right number of POVs for any story, the decision largely comes down to your own desires for how you want to shape the narrative. Ask yourself, what will additional POVs bring to the story? Will the added POVs be just as entertaining as the protagonists? Will the added POVs strengthen the story's structural integrity? That is, will they play an important role throughout the story? And our money question, will the added POV characters contribute in a vital way to the climax? If you're pretty sure you want to write a multiple POV story, another helpful tool for determining which POVs to include 
is to consider which archetypal roles are integral to the story form. Traditionally, the most quote-unquote important characters in a story can be ranked like this. Number one, protagonist. Number two, main character, if different from the protagonist. And number three, antagonist. And number four, relationship character, which could be the love interest, the impact character, the sidekick. If you're passing out extra POVs, consider those characters first. You may also be dealing with a story that is in fact two or more stories running separately from each other for most of the story until, you guessed it, the climax. This format may involve two or more characters who are in separate quests, or a minor character who represents an important subplot, or dual timelines that feature either separate characters or the same character at different ages. Once again, the deciding factor in which of these extra POVs or plot lines should be included is how they impact the climax. If they tie in appropriately at the end, you're golden. If not, you may want to rethink the unnecessary complications they create. Question number two. How do you decide which POV character is the protagonist? So we've already talked about the deciding factor in which character will be your story's protagonist. That is the character who plays the deciding role in the climax. But there are a few other considerations for your protagonist's POV throughout the story. For starters, you'll want to make sure you're choosing a protagonist whose POV will be interesting to readers throughout the story. This is the character with whom you're asking them to spend the most time which means it needs to be a character whose POV is worth their time. Not only should the protagonist's voice as a narrator be the most engaging, but the protagonist's action in the events should also be the most interesting. A young princess locked away in a tower while the war takes place somewhere else is unlikely to be the most engaging character to follow. In some measure, this once again comes down to your story's structural integrity. The protagonist should be the primary actor in all the major plot points, culminating with the climactic moment. One of the main reasons writers decide to add extra POVs is because they feel readers need to be able to partake in events at which the protagonist is not present and therefore cannot narrate. Sometimes this is a legit reason. But if the new POVs don't add to the entire story, not just on a plot level, but also on a character level, then their inclusion is likely just lazy storytelling. There are many creative ways to write around scenes in which the primary POV character is not present. Question number three. How do you balance dual protagonist POVs? So what happens when you're writing a story that features two protagonists. Is that even possible? Most stories will eventually come down to just one protagonist, as proven by which single character ends the conflict. There are exceptions, such as romances, in which two protagonists share the story, acting as one another's antagonist within the story's overall relational conflict, and they mutually end the conflict. However, even in stories in which a single protagonist ends the conflict, 
The story may require the presence of an equally important character whose POV is featured just as prominently as the protagonists throughout the story. And these types of stories may include protagonist and main character pairings in which these two roles are split and represented by two different characters who respectively act and observe. Or it could be a protagonist-antagonist pairing in which each is given equal time, romance being a variation of this. It could be dual plot lines, or it could be dual timelines. Whatever the case, dual protagonists are defined by the fact that both POVs are given equal precedence throughout the story, usually alternating one to the other. Structurally, you can approach this in two ways. One, use the same plot points to drive the plot in both POVs, or two, choreograph scenes so each POV gets its own structure advancing plot point at the proper time. In the vast majority of cases, the first is preferable since it contributes to a tighter story. Question number four. How do you balance your minor character's POVs with your protagonist's POV? In some stories, the protagonist is clearly distinct as the primary narrator and is given the bulk of the story scenes, but the story also includes one or more minor character POVs. So how do you balance these supporting POVs? By now you should know my answer is not to just stick them in wherever the fancy strikes you. It's true you can do this, and heaven knows many authors do, but doing so weakens the overall shape of your narrative. Ideally, you should include your minor POVs according to some sort of rhythm or pattern. They should appear as regularly as possible within the story. And by this, I don't necessarily mean as often as possible, but rather that they should appear at regular intervals. This allows readers to lean into the story's pacing and should prevent them from being caught off guard when a minor character's POV crops up again. And question number five, how do you structure multiple POVs? At this point, we know the climax determines which POVs are the most important. And we know the protagonist's POV should figure prominently at all major structural moments within the story. We also know it's best if the supporting POVs feature at regular intervals throughout the story and that it's preferable if the protagonist's structural beats affect the other POV characters, or at the least, that the other POV characters are given corresponding beats of their own. More than that, though, it can be helpful in choosing and regulating the balance and flow of all your POVs if you look at their placement in your story's structural spine. List your existing scenes and examine how the POVs are distributed. Ideally, they should be uniformly represented within each structural section. That is, the part of your story that comprises about an eighth of the story, or the space between each of the major structural beats. This may mean each POV shows up once per eighth, or at least once per quarter. But whatever the case, the distribution should be as even as possible. You're rarely, if ever, going to want the bulk of a character's POV scenes showing up in the first act and then disappearing until the third act. So once again, what is most important is that each POV either impacts 
or is impacted by the story's major structural moments. If that is not true of any POV, then that POV can probably be removed without affecting the story. If you think of multiple POVs as strands in your story's overall tapestry, you can sense how, both how much complexity they can add to your story and also how many complications they can create for you as a writer. When deciding whether or not to include multiple POVs, remember your story's structural integrity should always be the bottom line in determining what to include and how to include it. And I would love to hear your opinion on this. Have you written stories with multiple POVs? And how do you determine which POVs deserve to be included in your story? If you'd like to be part of the Word Player community over on my site and join in the conversation on this subject, be sure to stop by the website at helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com. You can always find a transcript of the most recent podcast and add your voice to the discussion by visiting the first post on the site's homepage. And don't forget that if you're looking for an older post, you can always find those by putting the podcast title in the search field at the top of the right-hand column. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or whatever your favorite podcast platform may be. And if you'd like to support helping writers become authors, I would totally appreciate it if you'd consider taking the time to leave a quick rating or review on your site of choice. Thank you so much for listening to the Helping Writers Become Authors podcast, and be sure to check back again next week.